Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with us. Mark Alpert back with you. He is last on with us about two years ago on the program. Mark is a contributing editor at Scientific American, great journal. In his long journalism career, he has specialized in explaining scientific ideas to all kinds of people, simplifying esoteric concepts such as extra dimensions, parallel universes. Now, in his novels, he weaves cutting-edge science into high-energy thrillers, that uh, really elucidate real theories and technologies. A lifelong science geek, Mark has uh, majored in astrophysics in Princeton University, wrote his undergraduate thesis on the application of theory of relativity to Flatland, a hypothetical universe with only two spatial dimensions. In 1998, he joined the board of editors at Scientific American, where he has edited feature articles for the magazine and wrote a column on exotic high-tech gadgets. Hey, Mark, welcome back. Good to have you. Thanks so much for inviting me. How have you been? I'm great. I'm great. I'm, I'm finding all sorts of interesting scientific mysteries to write about, so I'm very happy. They're all out there, aren't they? And they seem to be getting more mysterious over time. You know, What's really I'm fascinated now is the, the, the twin mysteries of dark energy and dark matter. Now, it's been 20 years since scientists have realized that these two entities make up 95% of the energy content of the universe. And for the past 20 years, scientists have devoted all this time and billions of dollars to try to figure out what are these two things. Dark matter seems to be holding galaxies together. Dark energy seems to be accelerating the expansion of the universe. But in all that time, we haven't, this physicists haven't come any closer to figuring out what these two entities are. And it's really led to a sort of a crisis in physics right now. Yeah, it is bizarre. If you were able to touch dark matter, would you be able to feel it or would you just like, you know, go right through it? Well, the current uh, best hypothesis for dark matter is that it consists of, of a diffuse um, particles, particles that are, that are subatomic, um, that are scattered uh, diffusely all across our galaxy. And so there's not many of them in any one you know, cubic centimeter of space, but, there's, but there's, they're scattered so uh, widely across our galaxy, and they seem to be they, ha- they would have to be fairly massive particles if this, if this hypothesis is true. So this is actually known as the WIMP hypothesis. Huh. And WIMP stands for Weakly Interacting Massive Particle. And so for the past you know, 20 years, or actually for the past 40 years, physicists have been really looking hard for any particle of this type. And what they do is they know that this is a type of particle that doesn't emit light, it doesn't absorb light. So for that reason, it's really hard to find. You can't see it in a telescope. It doesn't interact with matter, other types of matter, except gravitationally. That's how we know it it keeps the galaxy together because of its gravitational influence. And yet we want to actually be able to see one of these things in a detector. And so they've put detectors deep underground to try to filter out any other particles so that, that wouldn't be able to get through, you know, the deep earth and then find these dark matter particles. But all of these detection experiments have failed. We haven't found a single bit of dark matter yet. And it's very frustrating for physicists, but it's also very curious and exciting because they're thinking, well, you know, maybe there's something wrong with the WIMP theory. Maybe dark matter is something else entirely. And that, to me, is really exciting. Is that why you say that physics is currently in a state of crisis? Yeah, exactly, because 
you know, we, for, for decades now, physicists have had this uh, attempt to try to unify all the laws of nature. You know, there's, there's, there's two, there's, there's quantum mechanics, which basically describes the motions of atoms and subatomic particles, and that describes all small things. And then there's the theory of relativity, which is the theory that describes big things like gravity and galaxy and stars. Uh, but these two theories are incompatible. They are mathematically very, very different. And so for decades now, physicists have been trying to uh, unify these theories. And one attempt at unification is called string theory. And it, scientists started working on this back in the 70s. And they had great theoretical success in, in, uh, in the 80s where they, they, they had this idea that all particles could be described as tiny vibrating strings. And when I say tiny, I mean 10 to the minus 35 meters, which is the Planck length, you know, like, you know, way smaller than any atom, way, way smaller than that. And so this, they, they, they worked very hard on string theory on a theoretical basis, but they haven't found any experimental evidence for it at all yet. And, and, and they were really hoping to find some backup with this new particle collider in Europe, which you may have heard of called the Large Hadron Collider. Oh, yeah, collider. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been active since 2009, and it, it aims huge beams of protons, smashes them into each other, and then looks through the subatomic debris for evidence of new particles. And they were specifically looking for a type of particle called a supersymmetric particle, and um, that, because that would back up the whole theory of string Was theory. this the God particle? Is that the same thing? Well, no, that's something that God particle they actually did discover. That was the Higgs boson, and they did discover that, and that was a, a great triumph, of course, because it validated the standard model of physics, the standard model of particle physics, which, was, which, which is a beautiful creation, but it's not enough because it doesn't describe gravity. It, it, it obviously is, is a step in the right direction, but it's not the full unified theory of everything that we really need in order to understand how gravity connects with all the other forces of nature. And so, yes, the LHC, the, the discovery of the God particle, the Higgs boson was wonderful, but physicists were hoping for so much more for all the supersymmetric particles, and none of them were discovered. And the thing cost billions of dollars, didn't Eight it? Billion dollars. Oh Eight billion my dollars. God. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, look, it, it's... It was a great attempt because, you know, there was a chance that they could discover some of these particles. But now it looks like, and, and it's still not over. I, I will say that right now the LHC is not running. It's, uh, it's down for, you know, it's, it's a shutdown period. And, but it's going to have another run. And, and, and scientists are still analyzing the data from the last run of the, of the accelerator. So it's possible, yeah, something might come up. But physicists are starting to get desperate because they're not seeing the evidence for string theory that they wanted. And it's becoming more and more clear that they have to go back to the drawing board. And Mark, explain to us, layman's, what string theory is. Well, it's the idea that, that every single particle, you know, there's, there's all the elementary particles that you may have no, heard of, like electrons, for example, you know, that's the basis of electricity. And protons. They, they, all they that. orbit all the And then there's the proton. The proton is not actually fundamental because it consists of three quarks, two up quarks and one down quark. But the quark itself is a fundamental particle. The photon is a fundamental, par fundamental particle. It's, the, it's a, a particle of light. And there's others called neutrinos, etc. So string theory basically says that there's really only one fundamental particle, the string, but it vibrates it at different frequencies. And if it vibrates at one type of frequency, it's an electron. If it vibrates at another kind of frequency, it's a quark. If it, if it vibrates at a third kind of frequency, it could be a neutrino. And not only that, but it also can describe 
the graviton. The graviton is the hypothesized particle carrier for gravity. And when scientists realized that string theory could describe all those particles, they said, aha, this is the theory that could unify gravity and quantum mechanics, gravity and particle physics. It was a great, it's a great idea, and that's why thousands of physicists have worked on it for 50 years now. But now it seems like this idea might not be right. Interesting take. Now, does that mean that the string theory is dead? Well, not exactly, because, you know, physicists have spent, you know, their whole careers on this theory, and they really don't want it to die, and they still have hope for it. So you can adjust the theory. You can tweak the theory to possibly explain why the LHC did not find any supersymmetric particles. And a lot of physicists are doing that. But other physicists are saying, no, 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 this, this theory, it, 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 we need to think about other theories. And there are alternative theories of everything that we should be pursuing right now instead of string theory. Mark, what would uh, Albert Einstein be saying about all this right now? He would be so fascinated by this quest because that's what he spent the whole second half of his career on, a unified field theory, because he truly believed that there had to be just, you know, the physics always goes toward grander and grander symmetries and theories, and so he truly believed there had to be a unified theory. Now, the problem Einstein had, though, was he thought this theory had to be deterministic. That means a theory where every physical action has predictable effects. And quantum theory, of course, um, quantum theory is indeterminate. A lot of times you can, you can say, okay, there's a certain probability that this atom will decay, but you don't know exactly when. And Einstein hated that indeterminacy, and he said, no, 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 there has to be, there has to be a deterministic theory. And so that's why a lot of other scientists said, oh, Einstein, he, got off on, you know, he went off in the wrong direction. But who knows? He could be right. You know, we, we really don't know yet what is the theory of everything. Does string theory, if proven right, show that there are parallel universes? It could. One of the corollaries of string theory is that it, it, it seems that there might not be just one unique string theory, uh, because string theory predicts these extra dimensions, dimensions beyond the three spatial dimensions that we can see in the one-time dimension. And some versions of string theory uh, predict six or seven extra dimensions. And the reason why we don't see these extra dimensions in ordinary life is that, according to the string theorists, these dimensions are folded up into very tiny, tiny manifolds. So imagine a vast carpet, and the carpet is like two-dimensional space. But, but if you look closer at the carpet, it has all these tiny little worlds of fabric, right? Well, that's, that's, the, carla, that's the analogy that we use uh, to describe how these extra dimensions are folded up. But there are so many ways of folding those extra dimensions. I mean, it's not just a small number. It's not even trillions of ways. It's, we're talking about 10 to the 500 ways to, to, to uh, fold up these extra dimensions. So, so that was very frustrating when scientists said, oh, no, string theory isn't just one beautiful, unique theory that will describe the whole universe. It's actually, it's actually 10 to the 500 theories. What, and each theory could predict a whole different universe with different physical constants, and, th and this, this concept is known as the multiverse concept. And some scientists have sort of accepted it, but other scientists really rebel against it because they say, no, that, that, what good is the theory is if it predicts everything? If it's the equivalent of predicting nothing. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.